Hi, this is Laura Gyer's Magical Thinking, Episode 2. Um, in Episode 1, uh, I talked some about witchcraft and also some about unschooling. Um, basically, going forward, I'm hoping to talk a lot about magical subjects and subjects that are kind of tangentially related to that. Um, but it occurred to me that last time I didn't talk very much about the overlap of witchcraft and unschooling. Sometimes it's a thing that people are curious about, um, you know, uh, for pagan religions, but also for any religion, how unschooling parents and families deal with religion, you know, whether that's something that's taught or how that's that's brought in in a different way. Um, and so today I have a very special guest, uh, my child, Ember. Hello. <laughs> Ember is 10 years old, and uh, we are going to have some conversations around this and hopefully um, think of some interesting things to talk about. I, I will say that, like last time, we are not going to be doing audio editing. So this is an experiment, and uh, hopefully we'll get something good. Okay. So um, basically, the thing about you know, the overall beliefs that I was talking about last time um, that are so central for me about how people really need to be guided uh, by their own, you know, um, inner knowing, um, really apply to both uh, religion, in my opinion, and also um, to, you know, raising children. Um, and so it, it has been a central principle for me. Like I've been very interested, um, especially as a person who practices an unusual, you know, kind of rare religion. Um, I, I have been interested to introduce that to my family and see if my kids would be interested in that. Um, but it has been a really important principle for me um, that they don't feel like they have to do that. Um, and, you know, I mean, you can't really control and, and I don't think it would be a good idea to control what your children are going to think about religion or how they're going to want to do that. Um, just, just for example, before Ember and I get into this more, I do want to mention my other child, my 13-year-old, um, who has pretty much no interest in any of this. Um, recently, I've been learning some things about uh, Pennsylvania Dutch magic, uh, which is part of my heritage. And uh, I learned about how they they use an egg spell or you know to to do energetic cleaning. So I was I was testing. Do you remember when I did this, Ember? Yes, I do. You just came up to me in my room with an egg, <laughs> and I said, "Why do you have an egg?" <laughs> and then you said, "I need to like scan you with the egg." <laughs> I, I need to um, check out your energy field. Yeah, this was not a great example of of me really um, explaining things and sharing in a very helpful way. I was yeah, just, just I was kind into, of on a mission. Yeah, you just came into my room with an egg. <laughs> <laughs> Ember humored me, but then I I went and and scanned. Uh, it wasn't really a scan. I, I went and used the egg to clean Raven's energy field also. And she said, mom, do you know that what you're doing has absolutely no purpose? I just, you need to know that right now. <laughs> okay. You're just so, rubbing an egg on me. <laughs> so, you know, that's the first thing that I want to say is that like, obviously it's like a primary value for us in our family that we respect each other's opinions and beliefs. Um, it is a lot of fun for me right now that, um, that doing witchy things is something that Ember and I can enjoy sharing. But of course, you know, if he has different opinions about that in the future, that is going to be totally 
fine. You know, nobody is required to participate in witchcraft. Yeah, witchcraft, I feel, has a main a main thing that is consent. You really need to, like, be okay with what you're doing and feel right about it. Yeah, that's true. There is no point doing any witchcraft if, if you're not into it and you don't feel good about it. All right. Um, so, basically, in unschooling in general, um, the way that, that people deal with things that they would like to pass on to their children is is primarily by just trying to model those things, you know? So like we talked about last time, you know, how important reading is to me. That's certainly a behavior that I model doing a lot. My children have seen, have you ever seen me reading? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they see that quite a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and in addition to that, besides modeling, um, there's just an idea of what do you have around? What do you bring into your house? You know, what do you make available? What do you, you know, let people know about without, you know, enforcing any kind of specific engagement with that? Um, and that definitely has been the approach that um, we have used with witchcraft. You know, I think a big question to ask yourself if you are a parent who is who is wondering how you might be able to pass on um, some of your religion or other things that you care about to your child is just like, how visible is this in my life? Like, you know, if you have some sort of unusual beliefs, but you never talk about them and you never do anything related to them, then then the chance of passing that on is pretty low. Um, so I think if you're interested in that sort of thing, that's the first thing I would think about is what what can I do to really be like actively living these beliefs, um, you know, in a way that that could be visible to other people? Um, so I, I have some ideas of how I've done that over the years, but I was curious, Ember, um, what is your first memory or something pretty early of, you know, the first thing that made you realize that um, there was some witchcraft or, or something um, religiously unusual going on in our family? Well, one thing is that even when I was super young, we definitely celebrated solstice. We celebrated it like in similar ways that people celebrate Christmas. We like gave each other gifts. We did that. And I also only like when I was about, I don't know, like six realized that, uh, uh, celebrating solstice is not something everyone does and also another thing that i remember from being very young and so and doing witchcraft is offerings we would when we still do whenever we remember it we make a little plate of food like a teeny tiny uh, plate and then we put food on it and offer it with some water to the spirits on our shrine mm-hmm yeah, um, holidays is definitely an example I was thinking about. Um, there, there's only one earlier thing that I remember at all, which is that I did have, when you were little babies, I had a pagan lullaby that I used to sing to you guys. Um, but, but you know, a couple of the big holidays are are basically the first thing that, that I started doing on purpose in sort of a, a pagan way in our family, um, as in the hopes that that you kids would be able to share that somehow. Uh, and just like a, a brief content warning, I am going to talk about Santa in a second. So just, just be advised about that. Um, yeah. So, you know, we didn't start with doing sort of all the 
common pagan wheel of the year holidays. Uh, but we did think pretty much right away uh, when we had kids. Um, and by the way, um, I have kids with my partner, James, and generally we, we collaborate a lot on parenting, um, but I am more actively involved in um, certainly in religious practice than he is. So, you know, for the most part, it's something that I've done, although, you know, at times he participates and certainly we make decisions about some of this stuff together. Um, but yeah, so um, right away when we had kids, uh, we decided that we were going to celebrate uh, the winter solstice. Um, James and I both grew up celebrating Christmas and we don't make a huge distinction there. I mean, we still, all of us go and celebrate Christmas with uh, some of our relatives who celebrate Christmas, um, but it's actually been pretty nice uh, because often we have our own sort of small family celebration together on the solstice mm -hmm. and, and sometimes with local friends who also celebrate the solstice. And then, you know, uh, for Christmas, we're able to go and share other um, family members' observances. Yeah. With the solstice and Christmas thing, like, I remember when I was younger, I would ask, since I knew after a short period of time that celebrating solstice wasn't normal to everyone and that those who did celebrate solstice sometimes didn't celebrate Christmas. And I was wondering, like, several times, and I kept forgetting, but I was wondering why we celebrated Christmas if we're not, like, Christian. And I got the answer that our relatives uh like celebrated christmas and so we celebrated with them and uh, a funny thing about this is that when i was very young and in in continuing to this day uh some other kids kind of get jealous that i get a lot of presents because <laughs> of all the different holidays and different grandparents it's just <laughs> yeah i mean i doubt if you know you have more gift-giving relatives than than most kids do, but it's just that, you know, you get some of your gifts for different things. The thing that I was going to say about Santa is um, that it happens that that isn't a thing that we really did in our family. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a chimney to like, tell the story about. <laughs> That's true. And I we mean, just... We did, but it was connected to our gas oven. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we thought about it, but it just, it didn't seem, you know, we wanted to give presents. That had always been a thing we enjoyed about the winter holidays, but we kind of figured why not just say that those gifts are from your parents, you know, you're still getting the gifts. Um, although, you know, there's a couple funny things about this. One is that there was a period of a couple of years, you know, where the kids kind of got they became aware of sort of the Santa story. And we talked about it like that. We're like, oh yeah, there's this story about Santa. You know, he does this and that. And there was one year when the kids just kind of, I mean, actually it was especially Raven. She just started acting like Santa was going to come, you know, without really discussing it. She's just like, oh yeah, Santa's going to bring us presents, you know? And so even though we had never really done that before, we did do it that year, you know, <laughs> why not? We marked quite a few of the presents with Santa. And then a really funny thing that we did with one present for each of us was we put Satan. <laughs> <laughs> that that did happen. It wasn't maybe a Satan super brought typical. Satan gifts that year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing is, this just reminds me of another story that happened, which is just, you know, it's a really awesome thing, you know, for the most part, just seeing how... Um, naturally kids can can take 
things like this out into the world. You know, like um, there was a time that really was memorable for me where we went to the post office and a guy at the post office wished us Merry Christmas. And Amber said, oh, we're not really Christmas people. We're more of solstice people, <laughs> you know? And um, the guy actually was was cool about it. He said, oh, I, I have some family members who, who celebrate that. You know, it was just, it was sort of a funny moment because that's the sort of thing that I would not say to people at a post office, but I was really happy for Amber that he felt comfortable to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, so... And, you know, the other holiday that we started celebrating right away in sort of a small way um, was Ostara, sort of a, a pagan um, holiday that correlates with Easter in some ways. And the thing about Ostara is that, <laughs> I mean, Easter really, most of the traditions that, that people do culturally, like the rabbits and the eggs, you know, they really have like pretty much nothing to do directly with Christianity. I mean, there are some, there are some explanations there of, of why those things happen, but really, if you think about it, like those, those sort of fertility symbols and practices make a lot more sense in a, a pagan tradition. You know, people sometimes talk about how those things were just adopted from, you know, pagan folk traditions into Christianity. Um, and, you know, I think the history of that is somewhat complicated. I'm certainly not saying that I think that Christians, you know, stole explicitly pagan traditions. But I do think that a lot of the ways that those things are practiced are just cultural. You know, they're not really religious. And so, you know, since Christianity is a big mainstream religion and paganism and witchcraft are, are relatively small, obscure practices, I personally feel totally fine about, you know, applying some of the cultural aspects of those holidays um, to, um, you know, non-Christian observances. So, for example, we didn't make a big deal of Ostara, but around the same time of the year that a lot of kids were ce celebrating Easter, you know, we would have a day where, you know, we would often go do outdoor things and and when the kids were little have, um, you know, Ostara baskets with candy and bunnies and eggs and things. Yeah, I remember being... Uh, quite disappointed at the year that we stopped doing that because we used to have these like plastic eggshell things. They were like multicolored and stuff. And I think they were like supposed to be, wait, no, that was the different eggs. But these eggs, they're just little plastic openable eggs and you filled them with jelly beans for Astara and then like hid them across the yard. And I got kind of upset when you stopped doing that because <laughs> I like jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. There's no reason we can't still have jelly beans for Astara if you really want to. I mean, it was more fun to just like uh, find them in the yard than just buying jelly beans, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, um, besides celebrating those holidays, one of the other early things that, um, I introduced was just making sure to have some books around on, on relevant subjects. Um, you know, just kids stories with kind of a pagan flavor. Like we had Starhawks, the last wild witch, which was pretty popular for a while, which is just, you know, it's just sort of a story about kids and a witch that's like positive. Um, 
but we also had like a book, kids book about meditation and, um, you know, some about like the science of the winter solstice. Yeah, we had a, the, med- the meditation book was like pigs. Yeah. Piggy meditation. <laughs> yeah, I was trying <laughs> to I, remember. And I wouldn't be surprised if we still have it. Oh, Peaceful Piggies. Yeah, that was good. Um, also, some that were, have been really popular with Ember um, is the Herb Fairies series. Oh, yeah, I love that. Do you want to explain a little what that is? Yes, so Herb Fairies, it's very educational about herb healing. And pretty much what the storyline is, is that there's four kids. Two are like six and seven, so like younger, and then two are like 11, 12, 13-ish. And uh, the there's one, I think the main kid is Haley because she knows a ton about... Uh, healing with the plants and uh, Sarah is like the 13 year old one and uh, she is she was raised in more of a traditional way and she doesn't know much about uh, herbal healing until they go on the adventures and stuff which I'll talk about in a second but she was raised in a household that would like instead of using plantain for scrapes and she would just use like bactine and a band-aid uh and i find the story really inspiring because it reminds me of how like sometimes i teach kids that were raised traditionally about herbal medicine and then i see them a few days later with a scrape putting plantain on it that's awesome and pretty much the storyline with those characters is that they are like doing something and then they find a fairy among its designated plant like they find miles the chamomile fairy or the first one is stellaria the chickweed fairy and and they like get shrunk down to fairy size with fairy dust and then they enter their house and there's like three species uh troll uh i forgot what the other one is brownies oh and yeah and dwarves and there's three of each and they like use the like they the creatures have like symptoms that can be treated with the designated plant of that book and then they use the plant to treat the troll uh brownie or dwarf and then yeah it's pretty nice and then they like once they treat the thing there's a little chest a little golden chest with no way of opening it it gets opened and the magic of the plant gets released into the world that is really cool. Um, yeah, these books have been really popular with Ember. And, you know, with all these things, it's kind of like a little hit or miss. You know, it's like I got all these books on related topics and, you know, other kind of things to keep around, you know, to to make these various things possible. Um, but, you know, you never know which ones a kid is going to be interested in. But <laughs> in Ember's case, one of those things was the Herb Fairies. I think that he's read them like many times right (laughs) yeah and uh this year 
or last year, I can't quite remember, we bought the 13th one, the end of the series, and it's got a very nice ending. I won't spoil it, but it's very nice. <laughs> yeah, um, and Ember has learned a lot from these books. I mean, sometimes, you know, he'll tell me, like, did you know we could use this herb to do this? And I'll say, no, I didn't know that, but, you know, let's let's look into that. So, um, yeah, things like that um, can be a great resource. Um, we have really enjoyed in general, um, you know, learning from books at various times, but it's also, you know, that's something that you kind of always have to take with a grain of salt, you know, because witchcraft is such an individual practice that the chances of finding a book that like exactly agrees with your way of doing things and your beliefs is, is pretty rare. Um, but because that's the kind of thing that that we tend to enjoy. Um, Ember and I have recently been reading a new book. Do you remember the name of that one? Um, as the the Junior Witch Witch's Handbook. The Junior Witch's Handbook. That's right. Um, and you know, for us, it's cool to have something like that because it makes it sort of not just like a me being like, "Do you want to do my thing now, Ember?" You know, do you want me to yeah. teach you some things? I get ideas from this book. And what I do pretty much is that I read this book with my, and then uh, we, we like, <laughs> take an idea that I'm obsessed with, and then we, like, do it in the way that feels right to me. Because it's not always exactly how it's written in the book, and it's not always, it doesn't always have, like, for example, we call them charm bags because we don't really want to use the name that's put in the book, but uh, <laughs> we make these bags and then like sometimes they don't have anything that's recommended to put in there because it feels right to put other things in. Yeah, yeah, there are a couple things about that that I could briefly comment on. The one thing I was going to say about learning from books is that... Um, you know, just like any selection of pagan books, in, in pagan books for families and for kids, there is often a lot of um, both um, unnecessarily, in my opinion, gendered language. And also mm -hmm. there can be at times a quite a bit of cultural appropriation in terms of, you know, what practices are okay to do. We're white, you know, so we're trying to be respectful about things that um, aren't really ours to do or aren't really... Um, you know, things that we feel like white witchcraft practitioners should be teaching each other, um, you know, but a lot of the times those are things that are mentioned in the books. And, you know, as a parent, I just try to um, be conscious of that, you know, at times. Yeah, at it's like, for example, dream catchers. Like I had an art, like a visual, visual art class and making a quote unquote dream catcher was one of the pro projects and I call it a dream, dream, dream catcher type thing because it's not really like actually what it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, in that case, like, you know, I did actually send some feedback to the program and, and I didn't love that they were teaching that. Um, but, but we just, you know, we try to educate ourselves and figure out, you know, what are, what are more culturally appropriate ways of doing things. And I was just going to say with the books, like I certainly at times will just, um, change if I'm reading out loud, I have been known to change the words a little bit, or even to go yeah. through some books and cross things out if they're especially, um, bugging me. Yeah. Uh, 
but they still, I guess, can be useful resources in terms of, you know, just a, a giving general themes of things to explore, giving a framework for, for working through some different projects. Yeah, those books are really nice. And like, if you just like, you kind of uh, avoid calling things what they say in the book, if it's like not exactly that, uh, and avoid saying that and just give it a different name because it's different, uh, <laughs> then those books can be really good resources. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I just want to be clear, like there are some specific things that have been coming up in terms of calling things by different names, like, um, uh, you know, the charm bags, for example, are one thing that, that came up. And, you know, we feel like there's nothing wrong with us, us making basically bags of spell ingredients, because that's something that has been done by people from many different cultures, you know, throughout pretty much all of history, you know, so it's not, that's not specifically a practice that is coming from another culture. It's just something that for whatever reason, the author of the book chose to um, use a, a name from a different culture, um, which in my opinion was a strange choice. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, we're going to get into some more topics, um, but we are coming up on um, the the time when uh, the Anchor Podcasting Service um, forces us to take a break in the middle. We can only record half an hour at a time, and we're coming up on that point. Um, so I'm just thinking if there's anything else I want to wrap up before we get to that point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nope. Um, we will be back in a moment after we restart the recording. <laughs> All right, we're back. Hopefully you didn't notice. Um, so, you know, in terms of doing my own practice in a way that is sort of accessible and easy to um, join in with, um, there are a few things I've done to try to make that practice more physical. Um on one level, my practice is already kind of tending in that direction, um, because one of the things that I really love about uh, paganism and witchcraft um, is the way that they tend to be uh, orthopraxical rather than, I, that might actually, I'm not sure that word is right, orthopraxic um, rather than orthodox, orthoprax, I don't know. Um, but anyway, that word means um, that they have a similarity of what's practiced you know, and that's that's what brings different practitioners of that path together, rather than a similarity of belief. You know, so it's a really cool thing about witchcraft that nobody ever says this is what witches need to believe, and you know, expects you to believe that. Um, so a lot of what witchcraft already is has to do with what you practice. And personally, you know, what I practice it tends to be pretty action oriented and immediate. You know, I don't do a lot of complicated rituals these days, although I have done some of those at times. Um, but, but mostly um, what I do in my practice is I do uh, make offerings um, to a variety of spirits. I do quite a bit of meditation which is something I haven't been able to get any of the kids super interested in, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like meditation for me, it doesn't really work that well because uh, I feel meditation 
feels just like when I'm trying to sleep. It's just, it's just nothing. <laughs> yeah. So that's not an aspect that's been super popular uh, with Ember, at least. Um, something we have had some um, luck with doing together is guided visualization. Um, so, you know, that's kind of on the meditation spectrum where we'll either listen to a recording or I will sort of lead a visualization, you know, starting with lying down, doing physical relaxation, just imagining going to a very peaceful place. And then, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can, you can bring into that. Um, yeah, there's several ways to do this. Like there's the creek metaphor where he just keeps swimming down or there's like, uh, uh, I, can't, I can't remember how I got to that land that first time. Sometimes you go like down steps or down oh, through yeah. a, a descending tunnel that that really makes your mind think that you're going deeper and deeper into a trance. Um, I actually am interested in hypnosis and, you know, the, the line between hypnosis and guided visual, visualization is, is kind of non-existent, honestly. It's um, kind of very... It's kind of like one percent opacity. Yeah. So you know, there, there, we have. Uh, Ember has often let me practice um, some of my hypnotic techniques on him, and uh, that has been pretty cool, actually. Um, the we, I'm trying to think of of one that we did. Um, well, we were using hypnosis to work on allergies for a while. So yeah, that one was definitely the most effective. Like. Uh, when I was about to go to camp, uh, I was taking some Benadryl, uh, because the allergies were getting to me a lot, and, uh, I tried, my, told me the story of someone who had a terrible shrimp allergy, but wanted to be in the army in a certain, like, way, and he couldn't do that, and, because of his allergies, and so he got this hypno hypnosis that completely, like when he ate shrimp, he felt completely fine. I felt like that was a pretty amazing story. Um, and I, I can't say that our experiment with um, allergy hypnosis was, was quite that dramatic, but um, it, it seemed like it helped for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, in terms of the, the shrine stuff and also the guided visualization uh, that that reminds me that we had a question um someone was asking about spirits and if we work with them and and what that's like um do you have anything to say about that well i do work with a nature spirit um its name is yelan <laughs> what is yelan like it's a fox pretty much it's it's like it's the classic orange fox but then it's teeny tiny mm -hmm. <laughs> like i mean not teeny teeny tiny but like fennec fox size kind of <laughs> like it, it's about like about one foot long <laughs> <laughs> and uh it has like deep navy blue paws uh like up to the wrist it has navy blue and the very tip of its tail has a little black and it i still haven't done this but i definitely should it, uh, i have a little clay fox figure and it told me to paint it to look more like this because i was wanting more like i don't know things like witchy things i wanted them and yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, you were telling me during the break something about how, you know, you you wanted to do things. You you wanted to, you'd been helped by your interactions with that mm-hmm. spirit. So you also were wanting to to do some things sort of as, as offerings to that spirit. Yes. Uh, yeah. One thing that it told me to do is um, it told me that, like, it might sound a little silly, but it meant a lot to Yelan, which was to try and stop people from saying, what does the fox say? <laughs> Just because it said, like, we have free speech, and, like, even if you can't understand what we say uh, in the real world, we definitely say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I have to say, you know, for the parts of this practice that Ember has taken an interest in and sort of jumped into, um, it has seemed like a very natural learning process. You know, I mean, kids are great at imagination and visualization um, and sort of weaving those things into the rest of their life, you know. So, so Ember has really taken to, yeah, things like, um, you know, asking for spiritual guidance and also, um, you know, even just coming up with like ritual things to do. Like it was, it's kind of funny. We did a ritual together um, about a month or so ago and I was kind of expecting it to be like a lot of rituals I've, I've led for adults where I would sort of, you know, I would sort of direct things and I would say, all right, now let's, you know, touch the ground and let's visualize some energy. And, you know, I started out saying those things, but then as we were going, you know, Ember started saying those things too. Yes. Like, like, I don't really remember it super, super well. And I think it was kind of coming from my subconscious or subconscious because like, it wasn't really me intentionally saying like, let's do this, let's do that. It was just like, do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it's really wonderful that you can learn to tap into that kind of thing um, and, and feel like it's normal and natural and not something that you have to feel super self-conscious about, which is what a lot of adults feel. Um, or for that matter, not feel like you don't know what to do and you can't figure out what to do like a lot of adults feel. You know, I had a lot of those feelings as an adult who was getting into witchcraft and that was stuff that that took me quite a while and a lot of practice to work through. So I think it's it's pretty cool watching you, you know, just figure out natural ways to develop your own practice. Um, I think what else? Oh, so one thing we do, I, this was on the end of my list of physical practices, um, is that we involve a lot of um, crafts. That's that's something that I like to do myself um, in a sort of witchy way, especially because, like I was saying, I don't do a lot of long involved rituals, you know. So, you know, now I celebrate more seasonal holidays than I did when the kids were tiny. Um, for some reason, I feel like I have a little more time and energy now. Um, so <laughs> maybe it's because we're older kids and we can handle ourselves and know how to live now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's because you are a little more independent. Um, so, you know, I, I try to sort of observe those seasonal changes. Um, and, you know, besides going outside and doing nature activities and also trying to cook some special seasonal foods, 
um, something that I often like to do as part of those observances is to think of like a craft or project that is is related, you know. So, for example, we just had the autumn equinox here um, and I was harvesting a bunch of mugwort and doing different things to preserve it, you know, so that we can have mugwort um, to use in different forms through the rest of the year. Um yeah, I'm trying to think some of the other things that we've done. I mean, we certainly have involved sewing projects. Sewing is another thing that we've been, you know, doing together some recently. Yeah. One thing that we did was a raccoon stuffed animal. Uh, <laughs> I used to have one of these that was a birthday present, but then I don't know how, when, why. <laughs> well, I do know when, but uh it just got lost. It got it went missing, and I really liked that stuffed animal. It was named Raccoony, and uh, <laughs> we decided to make a new one. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, we did. Yeah, we've been working on a lot of sewing projects recently. Yeah. You're getting pretty good at sewing. Yeah. Um, Machine sewing, I have pretty much like I know how to do it now. We've been doing a lot of mask making, mm -hmm. uh, and. One thing that I did once was a little friendship charm bag uh, that was to like find a new friend and it's still sitting on the shrine to this day mm -hmm. uh, is like I had to take like a fabric that meant something to like me or the friend and I like had two I had like three different fabrics that like, they felt like they were what I wanted. And so I sewed strips of them together. And one of those fabrics, by the way, was a little accessory that I had once. It was like not something that I used very often. It was a little like tiny pink vest with polka dots. It was like uh, three inches tall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just cut a strip off of it and used it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of, you know, if you're always, if you like making crafts like we do, and you're always sort of looking for excuses to make crafts, there are a lot of excuses in witchcraft. There are a lot of seasonal crafts and things you can, you know, you can make like candles for spells, you can make little bags for things, you can make little figures to put on your shrine, um, you know, so yeah, that can be a fun thing to do. Um, and in terms of doing it with, you know, kids or with someone else, I, I think those are pretty fun witchy activities to do because they just take a while and they keep your hands busy. And it's sort of a thing where while you're working on that thing together, you also can have conversations about, you know, other topics that, that relate to that. Um, Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've written my notes sideways. Um, I I have I feel like we've talked about most of the things that were on my list. Um, I had written a note that I would like to be able to be engaging in a larger community. You know, it's the sort of thing that we've been doing enough um, sort of witchy things on our own recently that if these were normal times and we weren't in the middle of lockdown, you know, I would probably be looking into some local groups, even though we, I haven't personally done a lot of group practice in my life. Um, that seems like sort of a nice thing for kids, you know, like you would like to meet more kids that do witchy things, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Like 
uh, one of the traits that I wrote down in my little friendship charm bag was pagan or Wiccan or like just practiced witchcraft because uh, I wanted a friend that practiced witchcraft. <laughs> yeah. And it, this kind of leads me to like another um, subject that I wanted to mention, which is which is talking about spells with kids. And I feel like sometimes that's a tough question for people, you know, because they'll think like, how will kids relate to this and how will they have realistic expectations? You know, I'm thinking back to like when I was a kid and, you know, <laughs> I guess my childhood was pretty different. Um, but but something that I really wished again and again, and I remember blowing out birthday candles for was that some of my dolls and stuffed animals would come to life. Um, <laughs> and I have to say that, like, even though I blew out at least one birthday candle uh, while making that wish, like, that never actually happened. Although I guess you could say that those things have, that you know, they have some kind of spirit, but it did not happen in the way that I was imagining when I was, you know, around your age. Yeah. You really have to, like, uh, even with... The like, grown adults or, like, teenagers, uh, you have to tell people that magic isn't really, like, I snap my fingers and this happens, and it's not, like, it's not 100% accurate, you don't really know, and that, like, witchcraft is that, like, most of the time, you can't really get something exact, but if you, like, uh, it's best to do something that you like believe in to some extent mm -hmm. and uh, it's best to not just follow directions for that thing and instead if you need to make a change for it to feel right make the change yeah yeah it's very much a practice you know and you just have to try it see what happens see how it feels you know see if you want to do something the same or differently next time um, you know, I said earlier that I don't have a lot of beliefs about witchcraft that I am, I'm, you know, clinging to or really trying to pass on. But I do have one pretty strong belief, which is just that um, relating to the world in a magical way is a helpful and important way of being. You know, so if there's something that I'm trying to pass on around all these things, that really is the thing that that I most hope that my children might be able to take away. Um, Uh, the, the only other thing I had on my list was I wrote down, um, that dream that you had the other day, which I thought was pretty cool. Do you feel comfortable sharing that or any part of it? I don't remember what the dream was. The dream where you had the box of stuff. The day that we went to Moonstones. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do feel comfortable with this. Okay. So, uh... At the camp that I went to once, I really liked the camp. It was amazing. But the one thing that uh, was really upsetting to me, and it wasn't really my favorite part of it at all, was the religion forcing. They kind of, like, they made you sing grace. Uh, like, it's just like saying grace, except you have to sing it. Um, and they also, this isn't really religion, but more like... Uh, acting like I actually like this country. <laughs> um, it's they made you like go up to the flag and uh, say the Pledge of America. And I didn't really like this. And in the dream, I had a little 
like box. I had a little box that, that was filled with witchy materials to make me more comfortable in hard uh, times of religion forcing. And so I had like a thing. I don't really remember much of it, but all I know that I had, uh, all I know is that it was things that were supposed to make me like more comfortable. And uh, I had a little black like stone thing and I held it up against my heart in the dream and just like got down on my knees and did that for about five minutes and then I was feeling a little better when I finished. Yeah so I was really um happy and touched to hear about that you know because it just you know said to me that some of these things that we've been doing are, are things that Ember has internalized in a way that helps him to, you know, both um, deal with situations in his life and also, you know, to some extent to communicate about situations. Like we've had some really good conversations about things that are going on in our lives and how we want to deal with them, you know, and address them in terms of ritual and so on. And that has been a really yeah. cool thing to be able to share. I think that one thing about these things is that I think the subconscious mind is definitely something that is, like, you should pay attention to it, because I feel like things like dreams, I wanted to execute this dream immediately, because, like, it seemed like a really good idea, and also because, uh, like, it just felt like um, I should do this, because my subconscious did this, and I want to do this, and so that that was the day that the day I woke up from that dream was the day that we went to Moonstone's uh, witch shop, and I bought Jet and Cat's Eye, two protection stones, and Jet is good for like releasing like thoughts into, mm -hmm. and. Yeah, I really enjoy that. Yeah, and I was really glad that that was something that we could do and that that wasn't something that I just told you. You know, it was something that most of it, as you say, came from your subconscious. And I really agree that, you know, um, getting in touch with and having good relationship with your own subconscious is like pretty much the most important magical thing that people can do. Yeah, and... One thing is that to follow this up, uh, Daddy dug up this, like, I mean, not physically dug up, but, like, dug through uh, piles of stuff and things. Uh, but he found this box that was, I gave it to him when he was in a very bad mood, and it had, like, so pretty much what it was, was when I was very, very young, we went to a craft store and picked up this little wooden box and you gave it to me and I could paint it. And so I took out my paints and it's not the best paint job because I was like three, but <laughs> I painted all over it and uh, I put inside of it a couple of years later, like some things such as a little rock that I had decorated at Yankee Peddler. And it was just a little smiley face rock. And um, there was like a little red elephant thing in there and a little crystal thing, another little crystal thing and another, another little crystal thing. And I was thinking of adding those protection stones to it. 
and then carrying it with me at camp or like not not all the time like not during the activities and stuff but just having it in my suitcase for when I need it Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah. I think that's a really good idea I have a box kind of like that and I know I have really enjoyed that all right well we're getting close to the end is there anything else that you would like to say That's pretty much it. I feel like we might be coming to the end here. (laughs) We recently reorganized our chest and um, figured out that we had a lot more stuff than we thought. (laughs) We did. Uh, You got to clean the shrine out every once in a while. Yeah. It's very nice because we discovered things that could be very, very useful for certain rituals and things. We also bought like... Uh, chamomile tea that was just literally just chamomile dried in tea bags Mm -hmm. and so if I needed chamomile for a thing I could just cut it open and pour it in Uh, and we bought a giant bag of lavender we did (laughs) we have more herbal magic in our future yes herbs are a very nice thing that I appreciate a lot and they can be very helpful in magic they can be all right Well, thank you so much, Ember. It was really great talking to you about that. Um, I just want to say thank you all for listening. Um, If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you would like to listen to more in the future, feel free to send me comments or questions at hi at laurajire.com. I would love to know what you're thinking about. And I also would love to know what you would like to hear more about in the future. Um, uh, Also, If you'd like to uh, support this in another way, any service on which you can subscribe to this podcast uh, would be very helpful in terms of getting it out there and um, having more people realize that it exists. Um, It's not on iTunes yet. We're working on that. But I think most of the other common podcast services have it at this point. Thanks so much for listening. I hope to talk to you again soon. Bye.